0: I'm talking to senior urologist at Box Hill Hospital uh, and the organizer of the COVID Doctors Network, Jeffrey Wells. Um, thanks for joining me, Jeff.
1: Absolute um, pleasure, Pierce. And um, it's like old times, isn't it? We're back.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, we 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 spoke last year a few times yes. uh, in your role as the organizer of the COVID Doctors Network. Uh, which called out serious negative health consequences of Melbourne's extended hundred hundred plus days of lockdown in 2020. Um, so, Jeff, that, that unfortunately um, brings us back uh, to you know to this conversation, which the kind of conversation we had last year, which was you know is this justified and what's what's going on, what's gone wrong, how is it that we've found ourselves back in this situation? In your opinion?
1: Well, <coughs> Piers, it's extremely disappointing. Um, to think that um, our um, quarantine situation, our contact tracing situation, our general infection control doesn't seem to be up to scratch, even though we've had so much reassurance from the Victorian government that it will be, uh, and we've had this breakout is uh, extremely annoying, very uh, irritating, and people are very, very upset about this Um saying anything that people don't know about. Um, A couple of things about this lockdown. The timing of it, I think, is uh, quite concerning. It was done over probably the busiest weekend of the year, Valentine's Day and Chinese New Year, and the amount of hardship that has occurred from, you know, all forms of society. Take florists who have, you know, it's their biggest day of the year, people getting married. Our Chinese community celebrating, and it's like Mother's Day that was targeted previously last year. Mm. So, uh, um, you know, this timing is, uh, I'm sure they could have put it back a day or two and commenced it on Sunday night if they really wanted to have this. Very extensive lockdown. Now, my view would be that they should have had a far more targeted lockdown. And targeted, I mean, in two area, uh, t- in, in two ways. First of all, the location of the lockdown should have been basically Melbourne-centric because this is where the cases are. Mm. And secondly, and I think I feel so much sympathy for the people in the Country Victoria who haven't had a transmissible case for probably six months. Mm. You know, if you're living in Mildura or you're living in Malakoot or whatever, and you're miles from Melbourne, to have to go into lockdown just seems absolutely unbelievable. I mean, this certainly wouldn't have happened in New South Wales. If we had uh, Gladys berry as our Premier, we wouldn't be in this situation. Now, first of all, and first of all, we wouldn't have been in it from the start, from the start, Piers. And the other thing I think is... is is uh, very concerning is the fact that once again the government hasn't hasn't learned and now we've had schools locked down now children being locked down at school has enormous mental and economic harm on the community it's Mm. like a microcosm of the whole community isn't it i mean you lose your job it's economic and this transforms to mental problems Mm. and The fact that young children uh, and all all school children uh, uh, have uh, been unable to go to school is really, really awful. It's appalling
0: you mentioned the, the New South Wales Premier and the, the way that it's run up there. And the thing that, well, one thing that staggers me about it is that New South Wales is doing by far the lion's share of, of looking after returned Australians uh, through their quarant- quarantine system. Um, I think it's something like 3000 a week. It's, it's, it's roughly th- it's, it's three times what, Victoria has been dealing with and uh, the premier in Victoria is also flagging reducing those numbers so he, yes. he's been criticized because there's a lot of people desperate to return to Australia and with these kind of restrictions and talk of reducing our numbers that we take into Victoria further than even now that those yes. people overseas are going to be stranded for even longer
1: yes you see PS people are saying how lucky we are to be in Victoria Because compared with overseas, we've had so few deaths. Mm. Now, this can be. There's no doubt that's true. But the important issue is, we, in a lot of ways, if we're living in Australia, are unlucky to be living in Victoria compared with all the other states. Mm. Because let's face the facts, peers. Eight hundred people have died in Victoria from COVID. Fifty have died in New South Wales. Mm. Quarantining the numbers you have said. And we just seem to be so far behind the rest of the states, in particular New South Wales, that I'm not sure what it is, but it's certainly, it's got to come down to uh, the person who has to take the responsibility is the Premier. Now, we know from the Coat Inquiry that he's not keen on taking responsibility, and We know from that inquiry, and I think this is a microcosm of what's going on in Victoria, you cannot get to the truth. We Mm. want the truth on what's going on. We want the truth on what happened at the initial 800, those initial 800 people. And I'm not 100% sure we're getting the truth even now. Mm. Um, So something has to change, and basically on... Saturday, Daniel Andrews said, "We're not going to take the easy way out and get out and get help from New South Wales or from the federal government." Well, I think it's got to the stage now where there has to be some external help.
0: Yeah, it's Definitely. it's it, yeah, and and I think that if if um, you know if if, if it turns if the numbers aren't good enough and if, if this current outbreak uh, gets away from. Uh, from the, you know, from the, despite the restrictions that we have, if it did really, you know, start to build into a prolonged and and extensive outbreak along the lines of what we had in the middle of last year, the second wave, then there's going to be a, well, I think there's already a bit of a crisis of confidence um, from the public. People are getting very jaded. All these restrictions rely completely on compliance and that's been one of the remarkable things is about australians in general but particularly victorians have been so compliant and and prepared to follow government directives but i think if this time around i think people are a bit jaded and a bit over you know making sacrifices and and uh, not sending their kids to school or shutting their businesses and incurring economic and psychological pain
1: i i think um you know, you can use lots of terms for it. You can use exasperated. Uh, but a lot of people are very angry. Mm. A lot of people are furious that we are almost back to where we started. We did have the longest lockdown basically in the world. Mm. And uh, now we're back to where we started. The interesting thing, Piers, is as we said in the original letter, I think people have forgotten this, that 110 people die every day in Victoria. And in the last six months, I think only two or three people have died of the virus and they've probably died with the virus
0: mm.
1: now fifteen thousand people over that six months period have died in victoria but the trouble with our government and the premier in particular he just seems to be transfixed on the virus to the exclusion of all other health issues he does not have a holistic approach on health mm. so we're going backwards from cancer Cardiovascular disease, dementia, diabetes, all these areas that are the major health issues, I think we're going backwards on them, and all we seem to be getting is a transfiction. It's like a monomania on... The
0: virus and wh- and so how does that um, translate in practice? So hospitals that would normally deal with all those those perennial health issues like um, cancer and heart issues, that sort of stuff, uh, are they actually being forced to devote all their energies and focus to COVID? What's I mean, how does that so, manifest well, itself? There's, there's
1: an, yeah, look, there's an enormous amount of energy on that's being used on COVID, and I think, as I said, to the exclusion of other illnesses. Mm. And, you know, we've got the delayed diagnosis in cancer. People aren't going to the doctors. The fear factor is something we've spoken about previously, mm. Piers. Mm. The fear factor is still there. And in fact, the fear factor has been reignited. So this morning, um, I would normally see 25 patients. Um, this morning, five patients didn't arrive because they're obviously fearful of going outside, because if people say to them, look, when you go outside, you have to wear a mask, um, you've got a social distance, these are all the things that are important. Mm. Obviously, it's very important, but it brings fear in. And when people have fear, they tend to lock down internally, externally, and it's not good for people's health. I mean, as we said, people are social beings. Mm. And I've just seen in my practice... The amount of exasperation about people coming in, who are critical of the government and, in particular, the premier. I mean, a huge number, a huge percentage. I'd say seventy to eighty percent of my patients are extremely critical of the premier. And people might listen to this, might be surprised to know that half my practice is in Noble Park, which is the premier's electorate.
0: Yeah, right. And
1: the people in Noble Park are very, very upset with the premier. I can tell you.
0: Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au, where you'll find our complete back catalogue of over 600 podcasts. That's beyondinfinity.com.au. Talking with Jeff Wells, senior urologist at Box Hill Hospital. And organizer of the COVID Doctors Network, which called out serious negative health consequences of the extended hundred-day lockdown we had in uh, Victor- in Melbourne, Greater Melbourne, in 2020. Jeff, what do you make of the fact that it was a it was a quarantine worker at the at the airport hotel at the Holiday Inn at Tullamarine, opposite the main terminal? that uh, they were a they they've they've picked it up from someone who they're looking after in the in the uh, who's quarantining at that hotel and they've gone yes. to another job that they have at a cafe yes. inside inside terminal 4 which is where jetstar and uh, is is located uh, yes. 5,000 people or something through that during the shift that they did after working in the Holiday Inn. Surely that's something that would have been worked out, that, that there'd be a red flag to people having second jobs if they work in quarantine hotels.
1: You would have thought so. Um, you would have thought so, Pierce, but obviously not the case. goes back to the nursing homes, doesn't it, where people are going from one nursing home to the other. This is an identical situation where people who are... In quarantine, who are working in the quarantine environment surely can only work in one situation. We can't have people going from quarantine to a cafe. Uh, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. So, I just I, I find it, it's almost uh, laughable. It's mm.
0: inconceivable. It is. It's farcical. What do you say about the, uh, there are rumours that have been circulating, I think you've probably seen them in the last few days, suggesting that we're actually going to face extended restrictions until at least the 26th of February. Uh, And and so we might get dropped down to stage three or stage two. Do you think this is justified?
1: Well, I think the rumours are probably true. I think they're I think that we might find that there could be some more disease out there than we have uh, uh, been informed on. That's what some people are saying. Um, the fact that, I mean, it's going to cause an enormous amount of uh, heartache if we stay at stage four after, four to, after five days, mm. that I'd be surprised if we don't. I, I, I think that this is probably what's going to happen, is that they're going to say, look... We're going to stay till the 26th. <clears throat> um, but you know, Piers, we don't need to be at stage four for this period of time. You know, we don't need to have people who cannot go out and socialise, who, who can't go to the golf course, who <clears throat> can't take their family out for an outing. I mean, if we apply common sense, social distancing, masks inside, then we don't need to being in a, in a, in a uh, stage four lockdown situation with all the all the financial and mental side effects that are going to occur. And as we've said all along, the lockdown causes more harm than the virus. Mm. And there's no question. This is what's happened. There's mm. absolutely no question. This lockdown, the recent lockdown, the previous lockdown caused more harm than the virus. I think it's, it's basically... Is playing it's plain as day. And as I said before, because people are transfixed on the virus to the exclusion of other health uh, issues, we, um, we're we in this situation. You know, we, we are different from the UK. Um, you see in the UK, uh, close to Europe, general health of the normal population isn't nearly as healthy as the Australian population. The density of living is totally different in the UK compared Mm. with Victoria, Mm. the ventilation in in the buildings in the UK is far inferior. So while people are saying we're fortunate that we're not in the UK, and we are, we're unfortunate we're not in New South Wales.
0: We talked about it last year when we were talking in your role at the COVID Doctors Network. And there's even suggestions, those rumours now, you know, about the extension of, of lockdown until the 26th of February or beyond. There's also rumours that uh, the state of emergency powers have been extended by six months, which gives the Premier a lot of um, unusual controls over the population. What do you make of that? What does it suggest to you about the uh, the leadership at the top of of Victoria at the moment?
1: Well, I think that says a lot about Daniel Andrews, doesn't it? I mean, he's got this totalitarian view on life, that it's his way or the highway. He doesn't seem to have a lot of empathy for people that have been significantly affected by the virus. And in particular, he seems to have no empathy for the business community. He's got a lot of empathy for his own staff and for the public service. And... I think that the ministers involved in the Victorian government, basically, uh, without being too cruel, critical, are really not up to scratch. I mean, we've got Lisa Neville now, who's been hospitalised for two weeks. I'm not sure what's, what, what, what that's about. We haven't had much information about that. But she uh, has sort of disappeared. Um, when we hear from Jenny McCarkus, the things that she was saying about the leadership were um, fairly damning and the health minister is, I think, a well-meaning individual, but, you know, he's not educated in the medical community. Mm. It's, um, I think his knowledge of uh, the medical community is extremely limited and as a result, I think that, you know, we are in trouble in this state at the present time.
0: You had some meetings with the new uh, Martin Foley, the new yes. health minister who replaced uh, Jenny yes. McCarcos. So she was yes. forced to resign last year. Yes. You had a meeting with, the, with her replacement, uh, yes. Martin Foley, and uh, so you've had some first-hand experience and, and discussions with him.
1: Mm, yes. Yes. Mm. What I'd say about um, Martin Foley is he's a very pleasant individual. Um, We were trying to get the message across that people at the coalface were seeing the amount of harm that was occurring by lockdown. Um, Now, he wasn't at all responsive to the methods I was trying to tell him, where we wanted to get a couple of psychiatrists, a couple of geriatricians to sit down in front of the policy people the people who are making these decisions who we really uh, don't know a lot about, we've got a bit of a sprinkling of who some of them are, but we really don't know all the policymakers and just get an input in to what's going on in the, in the community because they're in a bubble. they don't understand that uh, the hardship that's going on and it's, it's going to return if we continue with the stage di- stage four lockdown you, you know for, for longer than the five days.
0: Yeah,
1: and as I say, it's going to the people in, in the country, Victoria. They must be they're going to be devastated. They'll just wonder what what in hell is going on.
0: Well, it is amazing, isn't it, to, to shut down the entire state and throw the entire state into stage four lockdown? So people where the virus has never been at all throughout the whole pandemic, out in the uh, you know far eastern or far western or far northern parts of the state. Uh, to, for them to be actually legally required to wear a mask when they're anywhere outdoors, uh, when, it's to,
1: 40, when it's forty degrees, yeah, when
0: it's forty degrees and and uh, there's no one around, you know, that sparsely populated uh, parts of the state for that to apply there as well is um, is is pretty. Uh, remarkable, and and the explanation given was, well, we didn't have time to, to build the, you know, to set up the eye, the, the ring of steel around Melbourne. Changed, yeah. But it may yeah. be that if we're going to have an extension, and maybe part of the change is announced on Wednesday, I mean, I'm 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 really just projecting, but um, it may be that they will have time to plan for uh, the reimposition of the ring of steel, you which a know, lot of people will be the- pretty disappointed by anyway.
1: Mm. The Wing of Steel's a little bit, um, without being too, too provocative, Pierce, the Wing of Steel reminds me a, a little bit of the Berlin Wall.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: You know, seriously. I mean, I don't think we need a Wing of Steel. Mm. I think people look back in the Berlin Wall and say how ridiculous it was. I think people are going to look around at the Ring of Steel in a couple of years' time and say this is ridiculous. The only only other thing I'd like to add is, is about masks. Now, masks can cause a significant amount of morbidity. And I can tell you there's been quite a number of patients that have come into hospital with broken bones, especially elderly patients wearing glasses with a mask, where the mask can fog up and you can have trouble seeing exactly where your feet are and sure. you lose appropriate reception and elderly people are falling over and breaking their elbows and legs and whatever. So, you know, this uh, mask situation needs to be, um, there's no question if you're inside, and the virus is, is is present then probably wearing a mask is a good idea mm. But to have people in the country wearing a mask when it's hot 40 degrees uh, it, there's there's morbidity associated with wearing masks even you know contact dermatitis to the to facial skin
0: and finally jeff just before we wrap it up i'm talking with uh, jeff wells senior urologist at box hill hospital uh jeff what do you make of the, the sort of justification that we're dealing with a completely different beast from last year, that this new UK strain, which has been, you know, genomically identified to be in this latest outbreak that's that's doing the rounds of, of parts of Melbourne at the moment, Do you, what do you make of the justification that that, or the explanation that that strain is so much more virulent, and so much uh, it, it means that we're dealing with a completely different beast, and therefore these draconian measures are justified because that is yeah. that that's the explanation that that uh, the Premier Andrews is giving.
1: He has well, when you speak, when you hear what Catherine Bennett said over um, the weekend, they were saying that it's it's probably a little bit exaggerated. Now we, we, there are two terms we have to be. Um, very careful not not to confuse. Them. And one is the con- how contagious it is, and it, it is more contagious. But people have said it's eighty percent more contagious. Well, I don't think that's the truth. I think it might be about twenty or thirty percent more contagious. But no one has actually spoken about the virulence of this virus.
0: Ah, uh, no, I, I use that it's word, word. and so you. So that, that's actually the incorrect term that I used. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, yeah but th- 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 no, but it's not just you saying this. Um, this is what's confusing. It, it, I haven't seen any information to say that the toxicity or the virulence of this uh, UK spread, UK virus, I- is, is uh, any different from what was previously noted. But it, it, it probably is a little bit more contagious. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just something to think about.
0: That, I mean, that's being used as a justification for these lockdowns when actually no, the problem isn't as real as it's not as big a, a deal as, as suggested.
1: I don't think it is, mm. and uh, and uh, you know when you consider, as we've said, the, the downs, the, the downside that can occur with lockdowns. I think it's unjustified, please.
0: Mm. All right. Well, look, thank you very much for talking with me, Jeff Wells, senior neurologist at Box Hill Hospital and the organizer of last year's COVID Doctors Network. Jeff, let's keep in touch and let's hope that let's hope that we get some good results on on Wednesday. The Let's premiere. hope the
1: results are good and that everyone gets back to normality as soon as possible, Piers. Because yeah. that's what we need. This state needs to be rebuilt
0: mm.
1: and we need to get on with our lives.